0: Hello, this is Brian Foster on Kardak Radio, presenting the program Spiritism and the Spirit World Around Us. Hello, this is Brian Foster on Sunday, August 13th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, all time zones in between and around the world. You can join me uh, on my Facebook live broadcast on our, our group, Facebook group, Spiritism and the Spirit World Around Us. So Again, that is called Spiritism and the Spirit World Around Us. You can look that up uh, on Facebook groups. We broadcast live on that every Sunday at the same time. And we are also broadcasting live on Kardec Radio. Kardec Radio is an app you can put on your iPhone or your Android phone, and it goes 24 hours a day. You have recorded and some live shows on Kardec Radio. It's a great uh, app for your for your iPhone or, or sorry, smartphone, I should say. You can look up that at Kardec K-A-R-D-E-K Radio, and then uh, either in your uh, play PlayStation area, uh, on your smart on your Android phone or your App Store on your Apple phone. You can look that up, and you can certainly download Cardiac Radio. There's no charge. It's always free, 24 hours a day. We are also on Blog Talk Radio. Now, that's not going to be on very long, so I would would caution people to get into the habit of listening to us and writing in their comments and questions on our Facebook live streaming site, Again, and then, to, but if you'd like to call in for at least what the time's left, the number is 858 769 4705. Again, that number is 858 769 4705. And again, I like to say on Cardac Radio, you can also go to that on the website, K A R D E C Radio, R A D I O, and you can look up all of the past programs I had, other, other speakers much better than I am. They have. Um, there's a lot of information about spiritism. There's a lot of help for mediumship. There's a lot of discussion on all sorts of, of important and, and topical topics for for us in today's culture and, and our spiritual, uh, you know, times. There's a lot of things are happening, right? The world is changing. I think a lot of people feel that. Now, what what are we talking about? Today. Today is very interesting because we're talking about children learning in heaven. What do they learn and how do they learn it? Now, why is that important to us? Because it reveals it reveals what's waiting for us. But first, let's visit what is why do we have childhood at all? Even childhood in the physical plane. Well, there's this great uh, message. It was in the Spiritist Review uh, magazine of 1859. Uh, it's actually, you can get that as a book on um, Amazon or the EDICI website, I believe. Um, it is all 12 monthly uh, magazines for the year of 1859. It's also they published one for 1858 and 1860. Uh, and it goes through all the magazines, articles that were in the magazines that Alan Kardec edited, and wrote some of them himself. So it's full of interesting information from the mid-19th century. Uh, And this is one that's fascinating. And there's just a lot of fascinating things in in those books. So there was a message they got is infancy. So why? Why is the time of childhood important? And the explanation for this precise reason is is dark in its overall, overall a logic and frankness. And never have I read a more thorough analysis for the requirement of the period of infancy than what, is, what this unknown spirit presents. And the spirit does not sign name or anything to this. This was given to uh, one of the medium meetings that I don't know if uh, Alan Kardec was present, but he wrote about it in his magazine, of Spiritist Review of 1859. And the time required and the ability to mold character during childhood is, is well documented in books, psychographed by Francisco Chico Xavier and mentioned in the volumes produced by Allan Kardec. But what we have here is pertinent for the comprehension of the absolute necessity for infancy when one is being incarnated on a planet. So this is what the Spirit tells us. Let me read this. This is, Children are beings that God sends into new existences. God gives them the look of total innocence so that they cannot complain of excessive severity. Even in a naturally malicious child, the defects are covered by the unconsciousness of their acts. Such innocence is not a sign of real superiority with respect to what they were before. No, it is an image of what they should be, and if they are not, they will be the ones to blame. That's very interesting, isn't it? It's what they should be sweet, innocent thing. Of course, we all know we all love children, and and they do. They are sweet and innocent, and they are themselves, and sometimes maybe not so sweet, but even that's kind of amusing. So we've all heard this before. In most cases, children provided parents so they will be able to impart good qualities and thusly molding the character of the child, imparting to him or her tools to perform better in their current life, right, better than their previous life. Hopefully we are all improving as we go on and on and on. So further on in the message comes this perspective that I had not thought of before. And this is, again, re- revealing. This is, this is what the Spirit says. In fact, imagine that the spirits of the children born from you may come from a world where completely different tr- habits were acquired. How, how would you like to have such a creature around you with passions that are completely different from yours, with inclination, inclinations, with tastes, totally opposed to yours. Would you like to have them joining your ranks in a different way, different from the one God's wished? That is through the window of childhood. So, usually when I think, or most of us think of reincarn- reincarnation, we invariably assume a person being reborn lived pre- on a previous life on earth. Well, that may, may not be the case. Souls can be given the gift of physical life on the multitudes of planets, each one tailored to what they should be learning at that particular time. So, when you are questioned why we can't have memories of our past life, you have one more reason in your arsenal, besides the fact of being born in a family where you may have been antagonists, right? Because that, that was explicitly said in uh, many books, and the need to be molded by the new life. So, the mess- this is how the message ends. So, this is, I thought, it was a very perfect message. It is here. That all thoughts, all characters, all varieties of beings come to blend. Engineered by the multitude of worlds where the creatures improve. And you yourselves, after death, will face another kind of infancy among new brothers and sisters. In your new non-earthly existence, you ignore the habits, the customs, culture, and relationships in the world new to you. With difficulty, will you handle a language that you're not used to speak. A language even more lively than your current thoughts. Infancy has another utility. The spirit only gets into the corporal life for their improvement, their betterment. The weakness of childhood makes them flexible, accessible to the advice of experience from those in charge of their advancement. It is in that period of their character may be reformed by the repression of their bad inclinations, such as the duty that God has conferred to parents and with a sacred mission for which they will respond. Thus, childhood... Is only useful. It's not not only useful, it is necessary and indispensable, but also a natural consequence of the laws established by God, laws that govern the universe. And as Karen writes, it's also in the book Action and Reaction. They explain about this as well, and that's very true. So, and I I thought this one message from the Spirit from the 1859 uh, set of magazines really laid it out extremely succinctly. Now, let's get to. Childhood then in in um, in the spirit world. So you think so this is a, a, a good question is why do why do we have childhood in the spirit world? Why do we need it? Because aren't you know, we're all immortal spirits, we shouldn't be reborn as children. Well, a lot of this is because the spirit world in their infinite wisdom is giving us a chance to go through a childhood again. In the spirit world, not just in the physical world, but in the spirit world. So many times when children here live a very short life, or maybe not at all, is they will then be into the spirit world and they will be raised as children in the spirit world. So why is that? Now I have not seen it maybe someone maybe uh someone here on comedy you on show so can can explain that but but I believe it is because they're giving them another reset that they have gone through previous lives and they have just not been able to reach that plateau where they could reset their character to get on the right path and and they probably have shown very you know i'm sure very you know positive signs on many things, but there are some things that needed to be regulated needed to be to be remolded, and I believe that you know, that means that they will be then given a chance to then have that happen, also in the spirit world. And there is more. Now, there's many hints and many stories of children, just as, uh, as someone said, as action-reaction, they talk about children, you, you see a mention of children in many of the André uh, Luis books by Chico Xavier. But there's also a lot of information in, in the higher levels about children in the spirit realm in the book Beyond the Veil. Now, in one section, there are spirits in heaven while after passing away in the physical realm at a very early age are selected to grow up once again. That's what we're talking about, right? To give you the ability, even in the spirit realm, to grow up once again. But in that one, you're in this in this spirit realm. This is that you're in a much different circumstance than you're on earth, right? You're not subject to the chaos, to the to the environment of, 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 you know, bad spirits, or I, should, I shouldn't say bad, I should say immature spirits affecting you, etc. And so about this is there's a section in Beyond the Veil. It was on a Tuesday, January 13th in 1920. The spirit Arnell was communicating with, and he had a group of spirits helping him, with the Reverend G. Val Owen, about his walk with the group of fellow spirits about a set of gardens in the location on the seventh level of heaven. So this is a pretty high level. This is where people who, um, spirits are there, who have pretty good grounding and good education in in the spirit world and a lot of attributes which means you can plug in, you can speak direct mind to mind, many other things that I am sure that I have not discovered yet. There there is so much to find out. So this is what he said. So as he was walking, he was walking instead of garden he wasn't familiar and this is what he said he said the crossway was walled on the left side as we went on the right hand when we had gone some little way, it was open to the gardens. The roof was supported by slight pillars of bronze and was of latest work lattice work. about this pergula climbed and bloomed beautiful and climbing plants but in the gardens were stretches of grass, flower borders, canals and fountains. Our left wall, continued, was a bronze like the pillars, but paneled and embossed with beautiful designs. On a large panel, I noted especially, it was about 8 feet high and 20 long. It was it was a metalwork picture of a fountain in the sphere, 8. The picture was not still, as your pictures be, but all in motion. The waters flowed from the white from the fountain, and thence went four ways. These four streams were severally blue, yellow, red, and green. So these are the things He's seen in the spirit This is you read about this in the other in the other books of, of the beauty of of all the spheres in heaven, the gardens, the, the brightness. And 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 there's this whatever the imagination can think of, that's what you can find in the spirit world. So in the country to which each flow took on the character of its own fertilizing stream. So this is a this is a a, a bronze relief, but was actually moving, it was flowing. The Green River watered a country wherein the chief lands were given the pasturage. Here were cottages and shepherds and farmers and their sheep and horses and cattle, and all that goes to make up an ideal agricultural region. All these, you will know, have a semblance of life in motion. The apple orchard swayed to the breeze, and as I gazed upon the woodlands, I could hear the voice of the birds. Even the fleecy clouds moved across the sky and cast their shadows upon the meadows. The blue stream fell from a high plateau into the ocean. Here were ships of all countries and of many periods. Choruses, canoes, galleons, frigates, and liners, all these were in movement, as was the sea upon whose bosoms they rode. The red stream went to a region of labor where men forged their engines of locomotion and of commerce and other metal instruments by which mankind had extended the use of his two hands by artificial substitutes of metal work. Even this was beautiful for the dominant note was light and fire. So imagine this. The sculpture that's moving and you see you see you see these four color streams going to each of the world and as he gets into it. It's like this is how this is a foretelling of what of the purity, the the beauty of what we're gonna be. So he says, No and in this red stream there's no instrument of war and destruction was here in the making. No no ash hills, you know, coal hills, no pollution. No debris in the picture. The idea was uh, not self-interest, but the motive inherent was desire to serve the human race. And the yellow stream went forth in the space, right? And he says, I can't give you a good idea, but it was it was still all in pictures. It went forth, became transmuted first to a spray and to, to the mist and to the light. And it was light in essence, and, and it was suffused with sun rays, and they were they were just wonderful. So just walking through those gardens before he even got to the point where he saw some students, he saw the he saw that everything was, that the spirit life is, there's no darkness, but only lightness in its different aspects and phases. So this is, then he, this is what he tells us, if men were adequately attuned to us, then the various activities of earth would work out here as portrayed. Industry, no pollution, there'd be pasturage, there'd be, there'd be, peaceful use of everything. Even as heaven do declare, God has glory, which was the motive of the yellow or golden river of the panel. Mankind is coming that way, but it's far off the ideal yet. So at every step there is art and beauty in the heavenly spirit realms. And each is meant to soothe as well as educate. Everything is edifies us. And perfection in form and function serves to remind each spirit of their potential and latent goodness. Waiting to emerge from all spirits and in inferior planes, and we are told through many channels of what of what may come if we only work together for our well-being. Now, let me get to where we're talking about children, but I wanted to get kind of show you that this is this vision of the future, this this collective march towards a planet regeneration is why the spirit realm does so much for us. Why the spirit realm? is educating us. We are just like one big school, and they are investing an imaginable amount of, of services, production, labor, and time into our edification. And for that, we you know, for that, we, we have to go through our lives, and we can't be too whiny like I have been many times. Right? So, as he was walking, he spotted a lush oval area. green, you know, it was a fountain in the middle, about 45 yards in diameter, well trimmed grass, surrounding the fountain. And the, the grass was level with this pool of water. And he saw his friends talking with some women. And he heard the voices of men and women. It was just natural. But he also detected the laughter and voices of children. He looked around and didn't see anyone who wasn't an adult. And Arnell's friend, who was walked ahead of him, cried out. He goes, Arnell, my brother. He goes, Here's a pretty to do. These young ladies have been. Guilty of a serious lapse from their duties. So he's just, he just kind of being fun. Maybe you'll come to help him to amendment. So he says, Joseph, I goes, he goes, okay, you know, what's going on? He goes, you give to me out of your own good heart, so pleasant a test as yourself. I warrant you would be very eagerly to say that you do not give much merit for self-denial. I'll bet Joseph, my son, these young ladies seem to me to be facing their troubles very, very bravely, right? So he's, they're all kind of in this game, just. Evidently, these children are hiding, right? So there, there were some adults, and the children are laughing, but they cannot see them. And then one of the women came forward and said, look, you know, can you help me? We can't find the children. We've lost the children. And he goes, well, what children are they, right? They're all you know, the whole kind of big part of the group. He goes, well, the children we had in charge, and they are playing hereabouts, and now we can't find them. He goes, well, okay, I... I I heard their voices very plain. He goes, that's true, and so do we, but where are the children? So I'm talking about this as children in the spirit world because children play just like children play here, right? Children are children wherever. Now, so this is what he says. Now, since we began our talk, no child left or broken in on us. Yet I knew they were at hand and were listening to all we said. Indeed, I was not slow to note that from time to time, a subdued whisper came the direction of the fountain. And now and again, a child's laugh, low and irresistibly and quickly suppressed. So, so he knew there somehow in the fountain, there were some around, but they had made themselves not visible to the adults in the area. So, he went back to... She went back to the companions, right? And he looked at there, and he was looking at the at the fountain, and he knew that this was this area it was in it was a department that was occupied in teaching children, if somewhat advanced in the art of creation, and it was called like a mixed school. It was all the way from from pretty young children to to about high school children. And the design of the fountain he noticed was expressed expressed in one of the studies of the fountain. It was made to represent a miniature a miniature hill clad in undergrowth and little forest trees which were amongst which sconce groups of animals and birds. And then he looked closer at the fountain. And he, he looked at very carefully. And he noticed that while the rest of the fountain looked very professionally done, the animals were a bit crudely done. And he, and he looked at them and he says, Ah! And then, just as he was getting very deep in his thinking, one of the alligators... You know, represented alligator on the fountain. And it, it, it roared more like a tiger than an alligator. And then, and then he said, okay, there are five children in an alligator, right? They've all, they've all re-imaged themselves. So, again, think about this. Think about the power. So this, is, this is telling you that these children already in advance understand the power of their mind to dematerialize, to reform themselves, Put themselves into different aspects, and then he said, "He goes, he goes. There are there there five people in an alligator, and it's in a scene that these children were had put themselves inside the fountain, and they put themselves inside the different animals in the fountain. And then what happened is is quite interesting, and so." It's like a close family, right, where mutual support is given. And the heavenly spheres, the spirit world, consistently demonstrate, demonstrates respect and uh, love for everyone. And, of course, these people are having a great time. And the law of affinity, where people like mindless uh, are gathered together, showers those who invested their time and effort in their personal senses with untold benefits. So this is one of the benefits, is as you get higher and higher in heaven, you You're given more capabilities and power in understanding how to use your mind. And these children were being educated in those powers, those attributes. You physically transform as you go from stage to stage to stage. You get more. You have more responsibility. You also have more power for that responsibility. So, So what happened is... So what happens is that then... The, the, all the, the children, they just started all like making the noises of, of the animals, right? There was just the. He, he said that the, the first part went off grandly. They were, you know, well, you know, skilled in practice. And then they he said that they did a wonderful job, right? They did, they, you know, they, they all were able to rematerialize themselves in these figures. He goes, but when the task of reconstruction came, they forgot, they had forgotten one difficulty. They'd have to recreate the animals, themselves being in the animals' interiors. This is what had bothered them. They had persevered, however, and were evidently very proud of their achievement. For the noises they continued to send forth, so they, this time he was, he was analyzing what they'd done, and they were all, like, making noises of animals and having a, having a grand time. He goes, they had, they had no notion that each animal was not as perfect as a piece of work as what they'd willed it to be. So, again, he said, willed it to be, right? So... He's telling us these children are actually creating with their minds, right? Now they have been selected on seventh level of heaven, and they? they were very carefully, you know, uh, supervised because the power of your mind is, is wonderful. So, so there then he goes, This is what happened when they exited. So it seemed the time was right, the children inside begin. You know, they, they kind of finished mi- mimicking the sound of the alligator and the tigers and everything like that. So and, and so then they 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 started they started um dematerializing. And this is what he said, he goes the first to go the first to go was the alligator. So there were five within him concerned in his destruction. They happened to be of the older ones, and so on more advanced in the science. They very quickly dissolved in obedience to their wills. We all stood around the fountain at the base's room, awaiting the emergence of these young scientists. Well, as I say, the alligator was the first to go, but when the children stood up free, two boys and three girls they were, we all gazed agape for astonishment for a moment. Then realization, the reason of their plight, we fell to laughter, for they were all naked, with no rake or stitch upon their bonny their bony forms. So at first they surveyed us with some hesitant, doubting what was a myth. They could understand why they were being laughed at. But when they looked at one another, they understood the source of our surprise, is what our nail said. Yet, although they were perplexed at their appearance, they took our heart from our laughter to know that what had come to pass could soon be remedied, right? Because they could think themselves more close. But what they did when they materialized themselves, there was so much effort they only thought of their form. So then, then they started laughing with all of them. And then the other children and they all came through, and it was um, it was all quite funny. So he also tells us that look, we, and he says this is 1920. Told us the GPO and he said, look, there's no the onlookers, the students, the teachers were all amused. There is no shame in the naked purity. The beautiful form of the human body has no wrong inherent in it. In the spirit world, clothes are part of a person's character. You decide your clothes, and each spirit wills the garments they desire. And being naked or not is not not a a uh, you know a terrible thing. It's just that, you know, when you are working you have your clothes on. And Arnell tells us that the children teachers were just playing in the garden, then not having any clothes on would be perfectly fine. Arnell states that clothes are desired when performing work or leaving your area. Clothes in the spirit world are a matter of comfort and personal preference. And there's so in the world, there's no prudishness, is what I like to say this there's, there's not and this is why Arnell made it perfectly clear to the Reverend G Valowen the, the uh, Anglican priest in the 1920s in Britain that it was no big deal right because you know now it's not as much as it was a hundred years ago but he was telling us that you know they're all the same and there's a, all us interesting story about when this this one guy came up to Chico Xavier the great Brazilian medium, who was born 1910, uh, died in 2002, uh, two, I think. And he came and he said, and he had a copy of uh, the Brazilian Playboy magazine. And he opened it to the to the page of where uh, the the girl was uh, was photographed uh, nude. He says, Chica, what do you think of this? And Chica looked at it and thought for a minute, and he said, You know, God makes everything beautiful, doesn't he? So anyway, I just gives you, and that sense is given to the children in the spirit world. That sense of of love and beauty, right? No levaciousness. And but the most important thing from this from this uh, was the fact that 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 these children are being taught how to create with their minds, even as a child, even as an immature child, they're being taught. To create isn't that just amazing so I now I want to go to the next thing because there's another story on children here in the spirit world which is very interesting. So this is where children are learning. This is more of an in depth of how children are learning their um, their creativeness. So drink, drink of water real quick again, in January 1920, Arnell tells the Spirit, uh, tells the Reverend Bowen more information about what he witnessed in this same school. And this is, again, very interesting. Arnell says he goes into this large oblong lecture hall with large French doors and windows open to the gardens outside, and birds fly in, birds fly out of the hall. It's kind of one with nature, right? It's all Nature is beautiful in here as well, even more fantastic in the spirit world. So, the small birds they land on the chair, chairs you know, as they fly in and out of this in this big lecture hall with these huge French doors. And even you know, even the students they land even on the students, they rest for a while. So, there was a large bird that flew into the hall and perched himself on an arch beam in the rafters. And he looked down upon the crowd as as if he was unable to decipher what all those children were doing. His eyes darted back and forth, sometimes looking at students and other times following the flight of the little birds. So the teacher, seeing a problem to be solved, told the other students to leave with her. And she wanted the younger students to figure, figure this out. She wanted the students to entice that large bird to come down from the ceiling, but it had to be done without force, without utilizing their minds to will the birds to descend, because they could easily use the force of their minds to put the thought inside the larger bird's heads up in the rafter, say, you come down and land. But but the, the teacher said, no, you find a way to entice it to come down to and land in, on the floor. Now, very interesting. So the professor, as I said, took the older students away. In Arnell, though, he wanted to watch what was going on. And so this is what he said. This is what he says. He, he describes what happened in the hall. Now, there are methods of process, more than one, by which that thing might be done. It's not my purpose now to tell you these to you, but only how these young pupils essayed their tasks. You must keep in mind that their studies were, at this time, in principle, directed into the sphere of creative faculty, and also that they were still in an initial stage at that department of science. To one more advanced, the problem would never have presented no difficulty whatsoever, but these Boisers and scientists were, for the moment, at stand because of the qualifications inset into the problem by their teacher. This was that the will should not be used creatively. That was the ruse in that alone. It would for it would have to be e it would have been easy for them to will the descent of the bird and claim his obedience, but that would have not concerted with the quality of the creation. Now think about how why they gave this problem. And think about the sanctity of free will in the spirit room. For that is what God has given all of us is free will. We are free to make the worst decisions possible. We are presented with the good path and our conscience will tell us this is the path you should take. But of course, many of us, like me included, will rationalize the way to the good path. and all so I'll take, take the short, easy path to either you know pleasure or wealth or whatever. This is what we do, right? We're human. We make the wrong decisions. And I believe this lesson was there for them to, to understand how to entice humans to take the good path and but not use your force of mind to force them to do that, right? Because that would would deny it in the free will. Because what do you what do you learn when you force a child to do something? The child learns nothing, right? The child has to do it on himself. So this is an important this is an important process. So that is the, actually total taught to the students in heaven. So that so that's what is conjured or evolved alive. It's what God God doesn't want us to be a robot waiting for explicit. Um, Instructions for every moment. We are an autonomous living thing. And we have to make our own decisions, and this is what God wants. He wants, He wants all great creatures, great, high, powerful spirits, but all with their own personalities, all with their own little take on things. This is precisely why these children are taught in this manner, in order for them to understand and be creative of how they solve problems. So, solving this problem: how to get this bird down from the rafter? Is right in tune with that whole philosophy. So now here's the solution. So Arnell describes the scene with the classmates. They sat in silent reflection, right? And they were deep in thought when suddenly one voice was started and the others followed. And then the narrative um, Arnell talks about really what, what, is, you know, what, what happened, what went on. So was one of the girls who hit upon this method, which came to be adopted after much noisy discussion. Of course, like children, right? Whoever's the loudest gets to talk. The children made a circle of the couches, which had been placed in a regular fashion about the room. They then, and one and all, composed themselves in easy order, with the smaller children distributed among them, and fell to their task in right good earnest. The first stage of the proceeding was to gather all the smaller birds within their circle, that was easy. They came, one after another, to the number of 60 or thereabouts. Then those birds begin to group themselves in the middle in response to the concerted will of the pupils. So the children, to took, took use their force of their mind, said, Okay, you come in here, you sit in, in the middle of the circle. When they were brought together in this way, there was much chirping one to another and preening of plumage. But gradually they began to grow silent and still until they stood there, all charmed, into sleep. I was watching it all very curiously, and now I noticed a change coming over them. Their many-colored feathers slowly changed their nature and became rather dull. slate color, not unlovely, very chaste it was, but of neutral tint. They had withdrawn from each of those birds its aura, not quite entirely, but leaving perhaps some eighth part thereof, which, however, was not visible without, but was distributed throughout the body of the bird within. Then the children on the right, as I watched from beneath, the arcade, quietly and slowly left her station, going over to the left end of the room, took her stations behind those others who still reclined upon the lounges. A wild, a luminous cloud gathered in front of them and between them and the birds. And this was the aura of all the birds. So imagine this. They're taking all these birds down to the center and they're taking the aura of the birds and they're taking all that into, into like a, a cloud. All with their minds. They're all just sitting there. They're not touching anything. You don't have Legos. They're all just sitting there. This is what we're going to be learning, too. So, it slowly, this aura slowly contracted upon itself until it lay on the floor in the shape of a large egg. This was gen, gently raised upon its end. its weight to become increased in ratio to its condensation. Then its shape was changed until there stood in place a replica of the large bird who sat upon the arch aloft, very intent in the strange doing in the process, below him. At length, a newborn bird slightly moved its head, and some of the little pupils began to clap their hands to light, but they were still instantly by their elders, the distraction of the will should mar their work, now nearly complete. The birds stood there still and silent, but soon there came the little lifting wings, then their eyes opened, then she walked a few steps for the children. This is the bird that they created from the aura from other birds, They applied their will, and there stood a live bird mate for his majesty above, right? There's the male bird above. She ran to one child, then to another, receiving the caresses wherever she came. After this, she had for a while proceeded. She went a few yards away from them and uttered her love call, and down came the bird from the loft and joined his mate upon the floor. So, the children solved the problem, right? This is, you know, and but but look how they solved the problem. They created life from other life. As if a small house composed of building blocks were presented to a child, then a picture of a different home came into his or her view. The child would dismantle the original house and attempt to create a new house, or maybe multiple smaller houses, with the same material. And this is how we all learn, is it not? We don't invent things out of thin air. We reuse, we build upon that which is already present. It's the same with a person first learning how to program, how to code. They write a few simple lines of code, but in the main, they borrow from other routines. They reuse subroutines, modules, and services to build a new logical construct, a new program, which may be used for a different purpose, but was built out of the parts of other applications. The children did the same thing. They utilized the auras of the small bird to make one larger bird. So what's an aura, right? Aura can mean, to us, mean anything, almost, right? To us on our earthy plane, it's an atmosphere generated about a thing or a person, in an invisible emanation. But it must be more than that to be manipulated and reused. It must contain the logical DNA within it, the full range of subroutines, interfaces, ethereal connections, and logic of its very being. So, the hence the children were using a set of logic which was encapsulated within an energy field. They extracted the required logic from each of the smaller auras and amassed one larger bird. And when the spirit world refers to individual spirits, they sometimes use the word personality. I've seen that used in many different spiritist authors. As if the sum of our total being, our multiple lives, our character, our current state of ascension, could be summed up in one word. But what if it can? Think of the genesis of writing a movie, novel, or a play, or even a video game. The central characters are supplied with a personality, a set of attributes, capabilities, and character that provides the foundation of all subsequent actions and dialogue of that character. You stay within the bounds of that personality. The logic deriving from this specific personality must be adhered to, otherwise the character in the film would appear arbitrary and false. Therefore, we, each of us, we are a personality. A buildup of experiences that are on top of a moral character, and as we are on Earth to reform and reprogram the least desired portion of ourselves, and we are free-standing logical constructs who have the ability to modify ourselves. And seeing how these children are learning and taking the building blocks from smaller birds and constructing a larger bird, all gives proof to the fact that we are a bundle of different different programs, intelligences, attributes, capabilities. So, and as we are improved, as we learn, we are allowed more range and power. So, at the end of the, of the experiment, all the children that yell of victory and they're all happy, right? And now reported that the most difficult part of the trial, again, this gives us a hint of how we are made, right? Was the construction of the throat so that the female bird would sing the correct song using the right pitch to attract the male bird. This, this fact. What we read in this book reinforces the utilization of other ores, for most, the most unique areas of the new construction were the most difficult to build, right? The easiest thing is taking stuff that's already there and not having to do anything except put it in place. The students couldn't just lift the logic out of the ores of the smaller bird because nothing was similar to the throat of the larger bird, right? Therefore, this section had to be customized. The artificial Female bird wasn't allowed to exist for long. The smaller birds were not to be denied their full auras. And Arnold tells us that what happened is he says that there now remained for them to proceed with the reverse process by which the bird was again resolved into the original composite aura cloud and this again dispersed amongst its original owners. This was affected not by their concentrating their wills upon the bird itself but upon the smaller bird standing there, insensate and unconscious. That was why they did not allow the or withdrawal of all the aura from them. They would actually they would have destroyed them. Or it was one of the reasons why. Or another was that it could not have well been with well the birds that they were deprived of their auras in total. It was therefore upon the remnant left to them that the children now operated in fruit, extracted from the composite cloud for each bird its own aura. For it was more easy this than they had essayed to operate directly upon the cloud and separate the auras there intermingled. So from that paragraph, I would surmise that the aura was extracted from each smaller bird had a unique tag, just like we do. It was And it was talked in, in um, uh, the realms of mediumship, again, at one of the books, Boundary Louise, in the entry by Emmanuel, telling us all, all humans here, all spirits, we have a unique ID and all of our thoughts are ID. So all these, every creature, every group of, of programs, of, of routines, has this unique picture? So I believe that there's a unique tag for each or of these birds, and each of those, whatever logic was used, was then re-delivered back into its original encapsulation, and the, the, hence the logic for each bird was was reset, restored in good working order automatically, all using native routine, routines that were in present inside the creatures. So think about this. This is what. This is what's waiting for you when you traverse from one dimension to another. Only your physical body, only like this right here, right? So that your, your mother probably used to grab you by the cheek or the head, that's what's left behind. Your spirit, your personality is intact. How you modify yourself during life is now part, is now your responsibility, your free will, right? And the opportunities to grasp this in this fantastic location are entirely up to your free will. But this 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 thing this whole area and story about educating children just tells us so much about ourselves. This is what's so wonderful about the literature coming from spiritist mediums from Francisco C. Xavier, Yvonne Pierre, Leon Denis, um uh, Franco, G Val Owen, Alan Kardec is they say things and you read them. And then you read them again, and you think about it. And it says, ah, okay, if this is this, then this mean, must mean something else. And we're given glimpses of, our, of how the spirit realm works. Now, trying to find out how the spirit realm works is like peering through a tiny little keyhole, right, and looking at the shadows and trying to infer from this tiny bit of information, a small amount of information, trying to infer a lot. So I'm sure as I'm going through this, I have probably made wrong assumptions, but um, that's okay, right? Because, you know, I can can be wrong, and in other times, and sometimes I may be slightly off, but, you know, we shall see. So, I thought that would be extremely interesting uh, for people to, to understand. Now, Now I like to go through one more thing. This, these are the games that children play. So again, Arnel was on this seventh level of heaven, at this this kind of mixed school. Would watch what type of games the children were playing, and this tells us a lot about how we are taught creative science. We are taught how to use our mind, and so one of the things he did is outside. One of the lecture halls was a garden enclosed area, and it was shaped in oval um, by hedges, no trellis. And again, we're back to this fountain they described earlier in in the um, in this in this broadcast. And so, what they played around this fountain is they'd gather in different parts, right? And one would would stand atop the fountain upon the ledge where the design ends in the tree, and he calls out to one of his playmates. Giving him a certain position upon the fountain. So, okay, you go to that position. And the one he calls out to, and the, the rest of them, right? They're all standing around the fountain. He closes his eyes, his eyes. He raises himself by levitation, and floats to the position that he was told. And one after another is called to the. They're grouped, everyone in the proper area on the fountain. Then they descend. Then one of them descends from the fountain, calls them back, and they have to descend in like manner, eyes closed, on the exact same spot where they stood before, at the beginning of the game. Now, look—all these movies we see, you know, with um, you know these different fantastic journeys, the whole you know, hog works, the games they played there, and all, all those books—and it's. There's nothing as fantastic as what we're reading about in the spirit world. This is what is just amazing about spiritism. It, spiritism is just opens up so much, and it gives you so much more. When you think about these children levitating themselves, right? and you see this a lot because there's volitation In the books by Andre Louise, they talk about volitation, where they talk about you think where you want to go. And that's what they're learning. They're learning how to do that. And in the lower levels of heaven, in the book No Solar, they will talk about, a lot of people will walk, right? They haven't learned volutation yet. They haven't learned how to do that when they're first brought up from the lower zones. But as you get higher and higher, you think to where you want to go. And you move, the speed of light is not a speed limit in the spirit world. It's the speed of thought. If you're sitting here thinking, okay, I want to be in New York City on the corner of 5th and whatever, you can be there almost immediately. And in fact what we were told is you don't really travel distance you you just you appear in, in the scene you want to appear and you re recreate yourself at that scene practically but you get there your logic your 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 logic is taken to to that area and this is what they do right and like when I was young we used to play a game called Marco Polo and why did we play Marco Polo Marco Polo was when someone has his eyes open the pool and they and the rest of the kids all have their eyes closed. Of course, everyone cheats, right, and kind of open their eyes sometimes. But you say Marco, and then the one whose eyes are open say Polo, but they keep swimming around, and you try to find them when you can't see. What does that do for us? Well, it helps us with our senses. It helps us with our sense of ears, right? All these little games, they're all educational some way, but the kids don't know it. Again, this game on the fountain where they were levitating to a spot with their eyes closed and levitating back to the exact place they were before, again, is a game that it is edifies them, right? Teaches them something, right? Teaches them what the environment they were in, how they want to visualize where they're going, and how to get back exactly to the point where they left before. So, this is this is what is awaiting us in the spirit world is the fact, and as it, it all comes down, it all comes down to the same thing. It all comes down to the fact that we have to go through we are being trained on this world to use our minds right And in fact, even on the Spiritism, in the spirit world around this Facebook page within the last couple of days, there's been discussion on the Facebook page of I don't want to reincarnate and this world is horrible. it's, it's you know it's, I, I don't like being here. I don't want to come back. And you know I, I don't blame anybody for saying that. I think the same thing myself. Uh, often, but we are here to change our personalities to be trusted, so that we can, in any circumstance, calmly and coolly use our mind to make decisions and do what's best in loving, charitable, and fraternal for our fellow, our fellow men, right? Our fellow humans. And this is and why why would they trust us to rise in heaven? When we can't control our own mind. Because when we get in heaven, we can do many, many things. And would you want someone who can't control themselves to have that much power? Of course not. So, I thought that was a very interesting game. Now, there's another game that's called Balancing the Ball. This is what uh, the Spirit Arnell, how he describes this game. Another game is one that should stand one should stand midway between two rows of players, each some eight or ten yards away. So think of a person in the middle, and there's two lines of children on each side. He shall, actually at the beginning of the line, uh, he shall hold a a wand in hand upon which a large opal ball shall be balanced on his his length. And the the two the two um, lines in opposition, will the ball towards them or away from them? And and so these kids, they're trying to move the ball, while well, the other one holding the wand on that oval ball is trying to keep the balance, right? And one trick of the roll, shell with their eyes signal to the other, and then one roll pulls, the other one pushes with great suddenness. So they're really moving the ball one direction very fast instead of each equally pulling a different strength, right? Or not equally, but maybe different wheels of strength on the ball going one way or the other. So if the one would be found on ready, the ball loses balance and floats down to, to the to the ground. So that person forfeits the position and the next person goes, and then each one kind of goes goes to the game. So I thought this again showing you how to use your mind, how to use your mind to to do these things, right? This is the uh, just amazing of of the things that, that that they will they will think of us, think you know think for us. Now, I hope this has given people a lot to think about as far as the spirit world and how it works, working with us uh, to do things. now the next the last one I want to talk about is the practice of meditation and the vision of what they were doing for. For young spirits, and this is a uh, a very interesting a very interesting uh, uh, part in in the work uh, beyond the veil. So this is where they are they are learning how to see beyond their sphere. Let me take a quick drink of water. Cornell talked about they brought these these again children out older children and there's about 30 of them' still about and they were like in this beautiful glade right they're all sitting there and they were they were testing their ability to see to peer into a different section of the spirit realm again this is testing their ability to be able to tap into that universal cloud that universal information that's there and they can then they can they can, they can construct where, what sphere they would like to see into. And they said, okay. Everybody sit around and relax. Rest your mind at ease and think about this. And he picked that one boy. And he said, what do you see? And he described what he saw. And he, and he helped them. He said, okay, this should be done. This, you know, this is what you really saw. Uh, so on and so forth. And then... Excuse me, and then what happens is they say, okay, they talk to the girl. Goes now, see where you are, and and see more. And she saw something. She goes, oh, I'm not sure what I'm seeing. And she started to describe something, and and then. She, Arnell described what the girl seemed. At the gates there stood two men. They were of great strength and beauty. They looked across the river, and now and again, one of the other lifted up his hands as a signal. When he did this, there came a beam, of light, across the waters. And it rested for a moment on a house or a wood or road. Its coming and going were prompt and decisive, as if those who sent it had perfect knowledge where it should find its quarry, what quarry it should be, and also why. So she had seen this scene, and she doesn't understand, understand why. And then he went over, he placed his hand upon her head to examine the scene in greater detail. Again, we are told that this placing your hand helps you make a more stronger connection for that. And he kept him there. And, he, and, and then he said, ah, because this, this is how he analyzed it. He goes, what they, what they were seeing, because of what she couldn't understand, is they couldn't, she wasn't seeing a sphere ahead of them, but two spheres behind. That is to say, the river was the boundary between spheres five and four. And those who lived there are good people, but not the quite the, at ease from the influences from time to time invade the sphere four from the sphere three. And so these beams of light were giving strength to these people to come up from one sphere to another as they were walking. So its guardians were there, and they were watching these people, and if they Detected, they needed strengthening. They needed help in the resolve of the power. They were delivered that power to them. So what's interesting then is Jeeva Owen said, "Well, you know, this is the Jeeva Owen was the, the, the minister of the medium who was receiving the message because well, okay, so the children were seen seeing the sphere up or sphere down. Can't they tell the difference between up and down?" So what is interesting in is Arnell's explanation. He goes, this is what he told the Reverend G. Bowen. Only visualize our environment, not so materially. I perforce must tell you my tale in earth language. And I must now say up and now down, and again forward and yet again behind. But they're not adequate to enshrine the more subtle of our condition, as you know. The perplexity of these children lay not between the two directions, before the honey. For when they looked into the other spheres, they looked into infinity or towards infinity and through those spheres. You mark me, my son, is what he called Chief The operation I described was not one bidden up and away to this sphere or that other. This was with us as with you. It would be a matter of going this way or that way, forward or backward, if you so will. But what they were now doing was of a different process. It was the inverse of the other. For instead of moving about in an environment exterior to themselves, they did the other thing. They absorbed the external mental and willful activity into the interior of their own selves and found for their time their own environment. Their action was, you know, directed inwards upon themselves. There was no such plain boundaries of realm and sphere as obtained in ordinary. It was this reversal of process which created their perplexity. They thought they penetrated in the sphere 8 or 9 and found their conditions which were foreign to those spheres. So it was they they bluntered. So, no, there's no forward, no up, no backward, no down. This is the great condemnation of heaven for most people. In the message from various spirits, the Reverend G. Baal, when they talk of spheres. It's our ears, sounds like succeeding levels of concentric circles. But, like the layers of an onion or tree rings, right? what it sounds like. It's definitely a definite geometric shape, that's how we think, to enable us to navigate the remaining mansions of heaven. How else could the spirit speak to us, right? Telling us that we actually live, if they tell us we actually live in a dense, information-rich environment with no time as a keeper of sequence would only baffle the listener. This concept doesn't fit our window of comprehension. So that everything, everything, as in the spirit world, the physical world, the walls you live in, the pillow you lay your head on before you sleep is a logical construct programmed by the will of high lords and their minions under the direction of gods. And these children were then, instead of letting their senses see what they see within the sphere they lived in, they, they tied into this universal cloud information and let let them kind of take it to where it wanted them to go. And they were able to learn how to plug in and look at different times and areas in different places. Now, they didn't think about up and down. They just They just Connected, connected with this universal force, this universal energy. Again, this is what children learn in heaven. So, I hope this program has been of interest to you. I, it, it, it the way children learn and are educated in heaven. In fact, that it helps them create their next stage for the next incarnation to become better. But what they learn it, and and what the Arnell told the Rev. G. this tells us so much more about the spirit world, tells us what the fantastic things that are, that are looking ahead for us. So I want to just tell everybody, have a wonderful night. Uh, God bless everybody. Remember, again, please, um, if you want to learn more about Spiritism, there's the Facebook group that you're looking on now, uh, Spiritism and the Spirit World Around Us. There's also my F- Facebook site. Uh, I'll write that on the screen. It's uh, nwspiritism.com. Please go to that, and you can see, you'll get many more articles. There are, I have uh, a picture of Alan Kardec on the right navigation. You click on him, you, you see all sorts of spiritist books. I have my books below his picture on the right. I have, you know, books of Explore Your Destiny tells you all about heaven the lower zones. Why you're on Earth? I have the case for reincarnation. Tells you about how how you're reincarnated. You know how that takes place. I have Spiritism One Hundred One: The Revelation. It's uh, it's actually you can get it free on the file section in the Facebook group, Spiritism and Spirit Around Us in PDF form. Uh, you can also it's only 99 cents in Kindle form, uh, on at the Kindle store. And so this a quick introduction. I I did that because a lot of people. Um, I recommend. You read Alan Kardec's books, the spirit books, and his other books, Genesis, Gospel According to Spiritism, all wonderful books. But different people learn different ways, and sometimes you need a different way of of, of, uh, introducing yourself to things. So I want to just tell everybody that you have a wonderful night and that I want to bless everyone here for listening to me for the time you've done. And we will see you next week at 4 o'clock, Pacific 7 Eastern on next Sunday. I would like to thank everyone for listening to our program on Cardock Radio and to point you in the direction to find more information about the spirit world around us. You can visit my blog at www.nwspiritism.com Again, that is www.nw as in Northwest spiritism.com And if you are ever in the Northwest I certainly would welcome to have you come to our meeting on Bainbridge Island near Seattle in the state of Washington. Many blessings to all of you, and please continue to explore spiritism and the spirit world around us.